0: Hebrews chapter 6, we're going to finish up the sermon called Better Things. Uh, Verse 1, But therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, and of instruction about washing and laying of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits Verse four, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance. And they are, since they are crucifying once again, the son of God to their own harm and holding him up to content for land that was drunk, the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and it's in to be burned. Verse 9, though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust to overlook your work and love that you have shown for his name and serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of the hope until the end. So that you might not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patient inherit the promises. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you for Living Faith Church in this time of worship. Uh, thank you for America as we celebrate our birthday uh, in a very few short days, this independence of our country. And Lord, thank you more importantly for the freedom we find in you uh, through Jesus Christ. So Lord, right now, I ask you to bless this word. May it change our hearts. May it change our direction. May it change our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. And before I forget, Gabe Huffman graduates from basic training Thursday. That's right. Gabe is graduating from basic training, and I know uh, the family is heading down on the 4th of July uh, and, and to see Gabe and watch him ceremoniously walk across that uh, and graduate. Amen. He's got much more training to go, uh, but those first seven weeks are past him, and we're excited uh, for the direction that, that God is going to put Gabe in and the impact of the lives he's going to make. Amen. I know Steve and Teresa is breathing a sigh of relief. <sighs> Billy is breathing a sigh of relief. All right. And so that the next phase is coming up. So it's exciting uh, to, to see what Gabe is doing. Can't wait to see the pictures uh, on Facebook. All right. Deal. And Steve, you got to sing high school musical songs on video. All right. Good stuff. Well, Gabe's graduate. That's a big deal. Big deal. Hebrews chapter 6. Uh, man, the first eight verses are kind of doom and gloom and agony and despair, is it not? As we talked about in part one, all this bad ground and burning and falling away and, and all this stuff is going on. And it gets to verse nine and It says, But for you, there are better things. There are better things found in salvation. You know, we talked about in part one, uh, in the very first few verses, talks about how we're laying a foundation. And so many people in the body of Christ, they get saved and they, all they do is spend their time building on the block. So I was thinking, I was thinking of this to th- yesterday. I was driving. Uh, and I was thinking about how many buildings I have seen where you can, it's a new construction, right? And you walk around, and they got all this cinder block up, and they got concrete. And then five years later, you go by, and it's still just cinder block and concrete. Have you ever seen houses like that or buildings like that? It's like they either got so far and had to quit, ran out of money. Something happened, but all they ever got done was the foundation. They never built on the foundation. And so many people in the Christian faith spend so much time on the foundation that they never put up walls. They never have a roof, they never have doors, they never have windows, they never build the house. So we got to move on from elementary things. But, but verse 9 tells us there are better things for us in Jesus Christ. There's better things in salvation. And in week one, we talked about two points. First of all, how many you like better? Better is good, right? I mean, I asked this question, how many of you like a better car? How many would you like a better car? Hoop said he can sell you one, Steve can sell you one. They'll fight it out, whoever gets your service out. back. All right. Better furniture. How many of you ever said that? I want a better house, right? How many of you ever said that? How many ever said I want a better spouse? Good job, very well. Nobody raise your hand. Facebook. Uh, I want better friends. How many of you ever said that? I need better friends in my life, right? We all want better, right? Better means to enhance or to improve, and there's nothing wrong with better. And you know, I, I told you in the first message that I just got a better job. I had a great job, an amazing job. I loved my job. I loved the people I work with and people I work for. But God opened up a door to something better. And I got that better job. I've been at it a little over five weeks now. And it's, it's better, but I'm busier. I'm a little busier too, but I, it's better, overall better. But how many times do we seek better things in our spiritual lives? Have we asked, ever asked ourselves, man, do I need better? How, do I, how can I better myself spiritually? And there are better things in Jesus Christ. And for week one, we talked about what God has asked you to do. He knows you can do. Amen. When he asks you to do something, he knows you can do it. Dave, he's not going to call you to to do something you're uncomfortable doing. Not uncomfortable in that, that it's not normal, but uncomfortable that you don't have the skill sets to do that. But he calls you to do something, he knows you can do it. Or he wouldn't call you, right? He wouldn't call you. He would never ask you to do something you can't do. He wouldn't do that. Think about that for a second. In the natural, we've been asked for something we can't, so we haven't, haven't we? We've asked for something... I I want that. We've asked for things. Things are out of our reach, things that we are not equipped for. But God will not ask you to do something that you can't do. doesn't mean it will be easy. He just knows you can do it. And the second thing we talked about is that we're ruled or even dominated by our self-talk. How many of you ever heard that said, hey, man, you already lost half the battle? right? Scott is getting ready to run a race or do some crazy stuff. And and a lot of us are busy this summer. You got stuff we're planning and activities. I mean, Crystal's put on us a hundred mile challenge on the LFC Fit Crew. Dave Bishop finished that in the first week, I think. (laughs) Scott's trying to catch up with him in the last two days. Um, But there's a challenge put out front of us, right? We got a challenge out in front of us. And you know what? If you say to yourself, I can't do it. Guess what? You've already lost half the battle, haven't you? Your self-talk has already talked you down. We talked about how our self-talk and how our attitude can hold us back, all right? So we're going to dive into the last two points of better things. Um, So what else do we need for better things, or what else do we need to understand for better things to have access to our lives? There's better than what you currently have, I will tell you that. You may not think that. You may think, I have a great life. I have an awesome life. I'm telling you, there's a better life beyond that. There's another step you can grow into. So number three, number three, the third point, um, you sow, you reap what you sow. Amen. You will reap Amen. what you sow. You'll never get to better things until you realize what you put in the ground, you will get out of the ground. Right. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 7, and 8, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. No one's ever preached a message called God cannot be mocked. That'd probably be a brutal message. A man who reaps what he sows, whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. How many of you have a garden? Right now, currently, three of you. How many of you ever, four, how many of you ever had a garden? Five, six, seven, all right. How many of you wish you knew how to plant a garden? All right. The rest of you don't know what a garden is, uh, I mean, I remember growing up as a kid, we had, the Williams family had a, a parcel of land on the Big Coal River in Ashford, and when you went past, when you went through the underpass, if you make a right, you head towards Dartmont on Bull Creek, and if you head, make a left, you head towards Nellis, and Costa, and Ridgeview, VIA, Drawdy Mountain, head to Charlene's a long way, right? It's a back way. Uh, but man, that parcel, as soon as you went through there, we called it the T, we owned all that land. My Williams family owned all that land. I don't know if it was seven, eight. I was trying to think that day how many acres it was. But I don't know if it was a lot. And we planted all that was on that was potatoes, corn, and green beans. That whole parcel was potatoes, corn, and green beans. And I dug so many potatoes as a kid. I like to eat them now. Um, but man, when you have a garden, it's work. And I never once went down there. And, it was never a choice. It was, dumb. We we're going to dig tomatoes, to potatoes. That was the comments. And they had them big dirt hornets. You remember them big dirt hornets thing? They're about that big. I just Gosh, they wouldn't bother you, if they looked like they would. So you stayed away from them, right? And I'll never forget, we went down to dig potatoes. Never once did I take that, port, that, that uh, fork and dig down and pull up squash. Right. Never once. Never once did I throw that shovel into the ground and zucchini popped up. That's right. Never happened. Ever. When we grabbed that corn, we would be, they would, the corn and we had the green beans uh, that would grow on the corn stalk. I still don't know what we did with all that food looking back. I was too little to ask those questions. But I'd like to know, what did we do with all this? She probably, they probably gave it all away, um, knowing my grandmother. Or she cooked most of it and gave the rest of it away. Um, but never once did I go pull green beans off and find out it was a watermelon. I was never surprised. Never once did I go pull corn and unshuck it and find squash. Man, it was corn. Because what we planted is what we got. Right. right in the natural, when you put a tomato seed in the ground, you get tomatoes. In the natural, when you put hot pepper in the ground, you don't get sweet peppers. You get hot peppers. Now the Williams family, we'll go back to that, they would argue, they would always debate whose peppers were hotter. They'd be poor, they'd be sweat pouring off of them. They ain't hot. <laughs> Wouldn't they, Kevin? Man, Kevin's dad, my mom, my grandmother, they'll be sitting there, and Uncle Jackie. Just, I mean, just sweat, just were they ain't hot at all. They ain't hot. You're lying, you're sweating. Right? It was like a competition. Oh, competition. ain't hot at all. You know, who knows what happened when they left the room. Uh, but, but what you plant, you get. Right. You'll never get to better things until you start planting better seeds. Amen. You'll never get to something more that God wants you to do until you plant better seeds. Until you plant them. Now, many of you enjoy the harvest time when the seed becomes what you want when you plant it in the ground. But I don't know anyone who plants hot peppers and expects sweet peppers to grow. I've never seen anyone plant yellow squash and hope for corn. does not work that way. What you plant, what seed you put in the soil, is what you're going to get. Like it or not, that's what you're going to get. People try to spiritualize this process. They try to over-spiritualize this process. But what is true for a garden is the same for our lives. What we plant is what we get. We don't like that. That theory doesn't fit our narrative, does it? That theory doesn't fit the narrative of America today. We want to plant one thing and get another thing. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You plant discord, you get discord. You plant joy, you get joy. You plant hate, you get... You plant love, you get... This is more than agricultural principle, folks. Folks. There's a spiritual side too. There's a spiritual side as well to this. But you can't over-spiritualize it. You can't, you can't speak it away. Once you plant corn in the ground, you're getting corn. You can talk to it all day long. You can pray over it all day long. But guess what? You planted corn, that's what's coming up. You can't, the only way to get it out is what? Dig it up. You have to kill it before it takes root, right? That's a whole other message in itself. Seed time becomes Harvest. Any person desiring a harvest must first plant a seed. Without sowing a seed, one harvest would stop everything. Think of what I just said there. In the natural and in the spiritual, without sowing seed, your very next harvest could be your last harvest. We have to continually be planting seeds naturally and spiritually into the ground so they may continue to grow and cultivate us. We're always planting seeds. God is always planting seeds in us as well. So many of us are keep trying to put down sod when God is like, no, 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 I'm planting something in you. I don't want something pre-made or predetermined. I don't want something you can go, buy. I don't need your sod. I want something to grow in you. Amen. Sod is, a, it's, you know, football fields and baseball fields, now what? They all put field turf on it because it's easy to maintain, isn't it? There is no artificial turf in spirituality. It's got to be grown. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. It has to grow. And what's being planted is going to grow. God looks for a seed or faith. Without faith, we cannot please him. We are reading Hebrews 11. It takes faith to plant seeds, doesn't it? It takes faith to plant seeds. You prepare and you plant, and then you must wait for the harvest. Every gardener will tell you. They'll start planting in April or May, right? Depending on what you're growing. You don't really see anything for a while. Oh, we already got hot peppers. We already got green beans popping out the house. I can't wait to eat them. Oh, yes, I do eat green beans. Just for the record. Uh, I, love, I love fresh green beans. But you must wait for the harvest. But we, we always look for a tree, don't we? We don't want the seed. We want the tree. We don't want an apple seed. We want the whole apple tree, right? We want it right now. We want a tree, and a tree represents an answer. It takes faith to put a seed in the ground. We just want answers without faith, right? right? We want answers without faith. I don't. Want to, I just need answers. No, you need faith. You got to plant seed Amen. before you can get a tree. We're always looking for the shortcut. We don't wait for the seed to grow. We just want a tree. We want it now, right? I watch. I watch Kelly's parents every night go out and water that garden. We got a little little plot beside the house there tomatoes and hot peppers and sweet peppers and green beans, as I mentioned, uh, zucchini. Um, So we got got a little garden going on there right there beside the house. And I watched them tend to it and de-weed it and declutter it. Why? So they can get a harvest, right? But you have to plant a seed to get something. Many of us go through so much only because that is what we planted in the ground. I hate to break that to you today, but what you plant, you will reap. I can't change that. I can't change that law. We yell at the devil. We blame everyone else in our lives when it's only us because we're the ones who planted the seed. Amen. It's nobody else's fault. I put it in the ground. That's what I'm going to get. True story. I'll never forget when I was at Sherman High School. Um, the first three years I was there, they had never won a football game. They were over for, for a long time, zero and thirty. And one of the one of the players uh, won't mention name, but one of the players. Quit the team and planted corn in the end zone Thought to make the field useful. <laughs> that was pretty funny. He got in trouble, but I thought it was hilarious. why uh, as <laughs> well don't make the field of some value. Help the community. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. They dug it up. Didn't hurt the field, but uh, didn't get the corn to grow, but I thought it was still pretty funny. Um what you plant you'll get, right? What you plant, yeah, they won a game that year for the record. Um, not because of the corn, but uh, what you plant you get. We will always reap what we sow. Always. You want to change what you're getting, then change what you're planning. If you want to change what you're getting in your life, you have to change what you're planning in your life. We reap only what we have sown, we reap the same kind as we sow. What you plan is what you get. We reap in a different season than we sow. We're going to plant something today. We may not reap it for six months or six years, but it's going to come out. It's going to birth itself. We reap more than we sow. In other words, the law of sowing and reaping is related to the law of multiplication. Jesus spoke of the seed that brought forth 160 or 30 times. What was sown is what Jesus said in Matthew 13, 8. One grain of wheat produces a whole head of grain. In the same way, one little fib can produce an out of control frenzy of falsehoods, fallacies, and fictions. Sow the wind, reap the whirlwind, is what Hosea says. Sow to the wind, and you'll reap a whirlwind. That's what it says in Hosea chapter 8, verse 7. Positively, one kind deed can result in a blessing that can last a lifetime. Amen. One deed, one small deed. Could have been a seed that was planted. It's going to bless you for the rest of your life. One small. So I don't know what seed that was, but you're going to plant something. You know, when we were in China and we got Claire, um, I'll never forget. We got on the bus after completing the paperwork, and and they come to us and said, "All of you have seven credits with Buddha." I guess you need seven credits to get to the afterlife. I found out, but we're good. I'm just going to sell them on eBay. Anybody want them? I can sell them on eBay. I will notarize it. I'll get it stamped. You can have my seven credits. Because they ain't going to help me at all. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) One kind deed we did was adopt her. And one word through that whole process I always got, even building up to the 22 months of getting her, all God told me was the blessing is in the promise. The blessing is in the promise. The blessing... Is in every check we wrote, every trip we made, every home inspection. All I kept hearing in my mind is the blessing is in the promise. The promise was clear. That was the blessing. One kind deed is a lifetime of blessing. She is a lifetime of blessing for us. Over one act, one small act, one seed planted, I got a blessing of a lifetime because of it. Amazing stuff. We reap in proportion to what we sow. Think about that. The rule is the more seed planted, the more fruit harvested, right? That's in a natural, even in the spiritual. The Bible applies this law to our giving, financials too. Those who show generosity will be blessed more than those who don't. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, this principle is not concerned with the amount of the gift, but with the spirit in which the gift is given. God loves a cheerful giver. We read in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, the very next verse. So there is, some, there is some prosperity, abundant message that the word of faith launched on off these two verses. All right, And there is factual truth to that. When you give generously to the kingdom of God, guess what? You're going to reap generously. Amen. And it's not about the amount. It's about the intent of the heart. The woman with the might, guess what? She, she gave all she had. Everybody else gave a lot more money. She gave all she had. No one else gave all they had. She was more blessed than anyone there that day. Why? Because she gave all. And the heart was right. The heart was right. We can't do anything about last year's harvest. Let me tell you that. Can't do anything about your harvest harvested last year. That seed is planted and that harvest has come. But I can change this year's harvest. I can't change last year. Man, I can change this year. Right? If we didn't like the peppers you planted last year, guess what? You can plant new peppers this year, Right? In the natural, if you don't like the results you're receiving in your spiritual, guess what? You can change the seed you're putting into the ground. You'll never get the better things until you start planting better seeds. As as I've observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. Job four eight. He who sows wickedness reaps trouble, and the rod of his fury will be destroyed. Proverbs eleven eighteen. Sow for yourselves righteousness; reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow or uncultivated ground. It is time to seek the Lord, that He may come and rain righteousness upon you. Hosea chapter ten, verse twelve. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. James chapter three, verse eighteen. We are constantly try- What we are constantly trying to do is repeal the law of sowing and reaping. We want to sever the connection between action and consequence. That's really all sowing and reaping is. If you act a certain way, there's a consequence for that action. That's really all sowing and reaping is. When you plant something, that's what you're going to get out of the ground. Universal urge of human is to stop that consequence. People want to enjoy the benefits without paying the price. Right? It comes with exercise, does it not? It's, exercise is not easy. Right? It's not enjoyable. Amy, you ran three miles this morning, I think. Hot miles, three hot miles this morning. It wasn't enjoyable, but you feel better right now. You may not. You may be hating yourself for it. Scott ran seven miles yesterday, right? Yeah, but it was enjoyable. <laughs> it's not, the process isn't always fun, but the end result is, right? The seeds you're planting is beneficial to your natural health. It's beneficial. Take money. Why is the lottery so popular? It's an opportunity to become wealthy without labor, isn't it? I can spend $3 and I may win $242 million. Granted, the odds are not in your favor. Right? That's why. Dieting has new fads every day. Just go to Kroger's today and stand at the checkout. You'll see every one of them in 30 seconds. Right? Read all the covers. Quick answers to Undo Years is the dream, isn't it? We want a short time answer. We want a microwave solution for 20 years of the way I've ate. It's probably not going to help me in three days. (laughs) Three days ain't going to fix it, right? Somebody said, why do you exercise? Because I eat. I exercise because I like to eat. I need to exercise more. Not that I need to eat more, but I need to exercise more. In this service today, we're all sowing or have sowed a seed already in this place. You will get out of the service what you put into it. Smith Legg used to tell me years ago about marriage. What you put into it, you will get out of it. That's what Smith Legg always told me right there in the third row. He would tell me about his marriage and about the years they were married. And he would tell me, what you put into it, you're going to get out of it. Right? If you're not happy with your marriage, guess what? You need to put something else into it. You need to plant some different seeds. If I always reap what I sow, then I better be careful what I sow. If you want good character... You have to plant good character. If you want good life, you have to work towards that life. It will not be handed to you. Everybody is sowing. Everybody is putting seeds in the ground. And everybody is going to reap. Sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. What we sow, we become. Sowing. Sowing. Seeds replenishes the supply. Never forget, we're only one harvest away from having nothing to harvest. You've got to keep planting seeds. In your spiritual life, you must keep planting seeds to grow. Number four, change happens, growth is optional. If you want to get to better things, we've got to know that God, when he calls us to do something, he knows we can do it. Number two, we've got to develop our self-talk. It's got to be better self-talk. Number three, we've got to realize what we're putting into the ground, we're going to get out of the ground. And number four, we've got to realize change is going to happen, but growth is optional. You don't have to grow when change happens, but it's going to happen. The Bible says in Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When everything around us is changing, and we don't know what to believe or what to think, we can always know that Jesus remains the same, His love for us remains the same. His truth remains the same. No matter what's happening in the world around us. But life is going to bring changes. Change is inherent to life. Yet we work hard at avoiding change. We are fighting it rather than allowing it to help us grow. Most people don't want to accept change because of their past experiences. Your past will either trap you or propel you through change. We avoid changing almost every area of your lives, don't we? Just like yesterday, we bought Clara a bed, and there was screws missing. I bought it on Facebook from somebody I know. And, man, there were screws missing, and she just left the country on vacation. I needed, like, 16 screws, and I had four. <laughs> and there were specialty screws, so I, I made, like, five trips in the last two days to hardware stores all over the valley looking for screws that fit and I forget my, I think it was the second trip. I walked in, and it totaled $1.17. All I had was two ones in my pocket. I didn't want 83, $0.73 cents in change. I didn't want that, $0.83 cents in change. So I bought eight pieces of bubble gum. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I really don't want $0.83 cents in change right now. Can I, can I, how much bubble gum do I need to buy? $0.10 each. Well, so give me eight of them. <laughs> then I put the $0.03 and the give a penny, take a penny, right? I didn't want to carry change. We avoid change, right? We go to a restaurant and the bill's 3415 and we got 220s. I uh, keep the change. It's not worth the hassle of, you know, I got to tip you anyway. Keep the change. We don't like change, do we? How many of you like change? Bev likes change. Bev's the only person who likes change. Some people, most people don't like change. Jave, you changed your haircut, right? Good, batter and indifferent, you changed it. Looks like me, but you changed it. We don't we don't. We don't like change. Uh, we get to the counter and it's a dollar and we, we're searching for give a penny take a penny, right? You got one of them give a penny take pennies. Problem is when it's dollar sixty-seven, you're looking for sixty-seven cents. That's not what it's for, right? <laughs> have you got a sixty-seven cents penny thing? You have sixty-seven pennies I can borrow? That's what that's what happens to us. We don't like change. I mean, just in the last few weeks, IHOP changed their name on social media to IHOB. Right. And it caused an uproar an uproar in social media. People are going bananas because they wanted to change their name on social media, on their menus. For the record, I did go to IHob Friday night and that burger was really, really good. It really was good. And it's pretty amazing that you can get a side of pancakes with a hamburger. It says it on the menu. Side of pancakes is an option. I'm like, two pancakes and a hamburger. It don't fit. Give me fries. But you can still have your pancakes. But, man, that, that week you would have thought they would have shot somebody, man, the way they, people were acting. I can't believe they changed their name. They didn't really change their name. It's just a, it's a marketing tool. It's a ploy to get you come and try the hamburger. And then your kids can eat pancakes, chocolate chip, whipped cream, pancakes. But people went Crazy. Dallas Willard, a Christian philosophy professor at USC, developed a tool to handle and make changes in our lives. It's simply called VIM. Vision, intention, and means. This is how we handle changes in our life. You have to have vision of what change is going to bring you and how you will grow. With the vision should motivate us, right? The vision is supposed to motivate us and to spurn us and to drive us. It's the carrot before the horse. It should be our fight song. We all have that one song, don't we? I don't care where you're at. I don't care what you're doing. That song comes on the radio and you are singing. How many of you have one of those songs? I'm not asking if you're going to heaven or hell. Taylor, I know you've got a song you love to sing. Eric, Rick's got a song. You got a song? You don't have a song? You don't like singing? Rick! I know as a workout, when you're working out, when you're running. Kevin told a story. Uh, him and David were running 15K in Pallon and State Forest. And he, it was taxiing, and David was ready. Hey, this is a great run, Kevin. Running backwards and telling him how great it was. And Kevin was like, Dave, you're killing me. All right? And, and they're, they're going through it. And Kevin was just ready. I mean, he was, said he was about to, it was, he was in a place where it was tough. And all of a sudden, a song came on. Right? I give myself away, and also the next thing you know, Kevin's worshiping, and David's worshiping. David's singing, Kevin says, as he's running down this hill. But that song was your vision. It motivated you, right? I mean, if I'm running, I, when I run, very infrequently, a couple times a week, but when I run, I don't run to love songs, right? Ooh, baby. I don't run to that, man. I want fast, upbeat music, right? You don't want to run to, to Careless Whisper, right? <laughs> I want to run to Eye of the Tiger. ah. Right, And that's what vision is. Vision motivates you. Vision spurns you. Vision challenges you. Vis- I mean, all those Rocky songs. Burning Heart, man, it just makes you want to run. Right? That's a good song, actually. That's a, pretty good, that's a pretty good soundtrack. Pretty good soundtrack. But nobody runs to careless whisper. Ooh, I'm never going to dance again. Nobody runs to that. We don't play that. I keep asking for playing in spin class, but they won't do it. All we do is play fast songs. Why do we play fast songs? To motivate us, to spur us, to, to energize us. That's what vision does to us during change. It motivates us. It's that song coming on the radio, right? Some of you, some of you got wild thing. We need to have an altar call right now. That's your fi- wild thing. You're like, yeah. I'm like, no, we need to pray. <laughs> if wild thing is your song, we need to have a talk after service. Right? right? All my rowdy friends have settled down. We need to talk. That's your song. (laughs) Vision motivates us. That song spurs us. It drives us. Vision inspires us and directs us in all areas of our lives. Where there is no vision, the Bible says people perish. We always quote that, but there's another part of that verse we miss. But he who keeps the law is happy. We talk about there's no vision, you're going to perish. But it goes on to say, but he who keeps the law is happy. Proverbs 29, 18. Intention. We must grow on purpose. We can change when change happens in our lives. There are things that are going to happen. Change is going to happen. How I many you know that? This guy, believe it or not, for those who may not know me, I used to have a full head of hair. I mean, full head of hair. I mean, I would get up every morning. I blow dried my hair every morning, man. I could. When I was in high school, I used to part it down the middle and I'd sit there and it would part perfectly down the middle. I don't it look goofy now looking back, but uh, so I wish somebody would slap me. Um, but I had you know I had all kinds of hair. I used to take 15, 20 minutes to blow dry my hair. Now I air dry it. Now I can take a single ply napkin. Right? I don't get to spend haircuts. I used to enjoy haircuts. I don't get that anymore. <laughs> I like Caleb will cut my hair and he will take his time. I know he don't take 30 minutes, but he really takes his time uh, cutting my hair. I mean, he does a lot of good work, but at the same time, I miss that. Now haircuts is going through the Taco Bell drive-thru, right? In and out, it's quick. But I but change happened. There's nothing I could do about it. Right? It went away. It, it is what it is. People tell me all the time, well, you wear it? Well, what are my options? I mean, what else can I do about it? I mean, I have to wear it well. That's what I got, right? I mean, thank you. Get a wig. Wear a hat all the time. <laughs> Same is true in our Christian walk. We must understand, and I know as in the natural right now. I, I know by intention. I have slick times going on upstairs, right? It's it's it is what it is. I intentionally know, hey, man, every morning I wake up, there's no surprises. I'm not going to wake up and I have Bob's hair. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's not going to change. I wake up, I don't go to the mirror and see if my hair grew overnight. I get it. I know where I'm at. I know by intention what to expect when I wake up. The same is true in our Christian life. We should know every morning by intention, on purpose. We know. We know. We know what's going to face us today. We know what's coming that day. Why? Because we have vision that's inspiring us, that's motivating us, that's challenging us. And now we have an intention to do something on purpose. Now we have an intent. You know what? Change is going to happen, but I'm, not, I'm going to grow through this change. All right? I'm going to grow through this change. Yeah, I'm bald now, but I got people complimenting my baldness because I wear it well. Right? Good intentions left undone are just random thoughts. So what are? So we have to we have to have vision to get through change. We have to do it intentionally. We have to do it on purpose. We have to realize it is what it is. Nothing's going to change now. I'm not going backwards. I can only go forwards now. And the third part is is means. Nehemiah eight ten. The joy of the Lord is my strength, my power, my means. Not Mikey means, even though he's a great guy. Means. I got vision. I've got intention. And now I have to have a means to go through this change. To get through this change, what do I do now? I have to have a means. To accomplish growth in the season of change, it's the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In the middle of change, we have to have something to hold on to, something that can give us confidence, something to help us move forward. And I simply found in Nehemiah 8, ten, the means to get me through change is the Lord's joy, which is my strength. You getting it this day, it's a vision of a better future. It's us saying, God, I want to. So what you want me to do in that process of change, I'm going to have to have a joyful life. A life that is not worried about the outward circumstances. Let's be honest. Some of you are thinking joy means a bigger paycheck or a bigger car or a better car or a better paycheck. That's not what it is. There's nothing wrong with those things. Joy is independent of all outward things. My joy is found in Jesus Christ and Him alone. I know who I am in Christ. I know where I am in Christ. I know where I'm going in Christ. I know who my identity is in Christ. I know I have a, He has a plan for my life when I'm in Christ. My joy is based on His presence, not my, my circumstance. Good, bad, or indifferent. I don't know about you. I want to make God smile. I really do. I want to make God smile. I want God to look at my life... And say, I like that guy, right? I want I want God to smile, just like our children. All right, our children make us smile, don't they? Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they make us pull our hair out. Maybe that's where my hair went, Hannah. Um, but I want to make him smile. I want to make him proud for me to be his son, just like we're proud of our kids with report cards and sports and not wrecking yesterday. Um it's a, it's a good day at our house. Ain't hit nothing. <laughs> True joy, true joy is found when we realize that it's not about us, but it's about honoring God with our lives. It's not about us anymore. It's about honoring God with our lives. Change requires us to visualize a preferred future. You know, you get to choose. We get to choose what our future is. We get to choose the path we're heading on by what we're planning into the ground. What we wish to attain, not a future that we dread to face, but a future we want to see come our way. I know change can be hard. I know it gets harder the older we get, Uh, but I also know it's inevitable. Rather than to fight it, I choose to grow when change happens. The Bible says in Isaiah twenty eight ten, for it's precept upon precept upon precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. All right. That's how we grow. We grow through it's a process. It's a process. Change causes us to create a new normal. You can predict your future with amazing accuracy today. If you choose to keep thinking the way you always have, your future will be nothing more than a continuation of what you always got. I can predict your future today. If you continue down the same path you're going down, your future is going to be the exact same every day because you've got to change what you're doing. So this morning I challenge us as we close this message out, better things. We all want better. Better is good. It's enhanced. It's improved. It's better. Better things. We have to respond when God calls us, when he challenges us. We must think more positively about ourselves. Our self-talk can and will destroy us. We must sow good things to get better things. For what we sow, we will reap. Things change in life, reality, they do. So prepare to grow when it happens. No need to fight it, but rather go with the vision and intention. Please remember, if our decisions and choices have put us where we are, then we can make better decisions and better choices to get us where we want to be. Today can be your first day to better things. Today can be the start of a new beginning, a fresh start to better things. So I want to ask you a couple of questions as we close. How is your heart today? How is your heart Not physically, but spiritually. How is your heart? The Bible says out of our heart, our mouth speaks. What's in here, what we've planted, what seeds are there are going to harvest themselves. How's your heart? We care about you here at Living Faith. This is more than church service. We get to experience God in this place.